There are 150 psalms in the Old Testament. The very last psalm begins and ends with the phrase, Praise the Lord. There are only six verses in Psalm 150, but the word praise appears 13 times. One might conclude that praising the Lord is an important thing. So how often do you praise the Lord? Every day? Once in a while? Almost never? Today on Craving Answers, Craving God, let's take up the topic of praising the Lord. I'm Chuck Rathert with Aaron Miller. Aaron is the pastor at St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Aaron, the words praise the Lord and its variations show up 66 times in the Psalms and 106 times in the Old Testament. However, I found it shows up only twice in the New Testament. So is praising the Lord mostly an Old Testament thing? Uh, it's not really the way the two parts of the Bible work. It's not, they're not two separate parts. I, the, the, the earliest Jesus followers that, uh, and Jesus himself that the New Testament tells us about would not have thought of an Old Testament. That was their Bible. They read it. They studied it. They worshiped from it. Uh, they certainly uh, prayed the Psalms daily and uh, used those to praise the Lord. And so it's, this is just a part of their lives. This is just what they assume. And so they might not specifically talk a lot about the word praise, but what they will say are things like, um, you know, we should sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and psalms. And, um, and the other thing they'll do is that they'll, they'll in that context of, of constant praise of God, they'll begin offering that same praise to um, this construction worker guy, Jesus. They'll they'll start offering him praise that has only been reserved for uh, for for God up until then. And, uh, you know, bowing down to him, calling him Lord, uh, asking him to forgive sins, these sorts of things. And so um, whether it's the Old or New Testament, praise is definitely a part of the life of Jesus' followers and God followers everywhere. Some Christians, I guess not all Christians, some Christians are in the habit of when they're in conversation with a friend or an acquaintance and that person relates some good fortune— we might say, praise the Lord, as sort of a reaction to hearing about that good news. But I think we mean, it's a, it's a valid comment, I think we mean it, but uh, it comes off, I think, as a kind of an understatement. It's just sort of a, a phrase we use in our Christian conversation sometimes. So how does one avoid coming up short in one's personal praise of God? Well, to, to not use meaningless phrases like, you know, uh, praise the Lord. My, my, my praise sister, the Lord is a meaningless phrase? It, it, well, it depends on if you mean it or not. If you don't mean it, it's meaningless. Well, that's true. Yeah. And so, you know, my sister, uh, uh, my sister m makes fun of this uh, by, uh, she'll say, if I tell her, you know, some good news or something, she'll go, PTL. And uh, just sort of mocking the sort of uh, the meaningless use of religious phrases, I, and, I, and I actually try to stay away from those if I can, unless it's uh, unless I, I really am praising the Lord. I try to stay away from using religious language that way. But the, the key, you know the key Why? to, I mean, if you did use it, what what harm is going to happen? 
Well, sure. I mean, we're, t- we're you know, I, I guess words are just, uh, you, you know, they go out into the atmosphere and what do they do? You know, sticks and stones and whatnot. But we are commanded. This is not, not totally, um, this is not totally connected to what we're saying, but we, we are commanded to not use God's name in vain and to say things like praise the Lord and not actually be praising the Lord is using his name in vain. It's using his name in, with emptiness. And so the flippant use of religious language, um, I, I, I don't want to, us to go too far afield, but maybe we're not. The flippant use of religious language by religious people is seen by outsiders as cheesy, and rightfully so. Shallow. And, and shallow, right, because they, they know that the people who are using it are just using like code words and flippant terminology. But now, there, there are, there's an appropriate way to, to say things like praise the Lord, uh, and that would be when you're actually praising the Lord, not just saying, oh, I'm happy that you got a raise, or you know, which is great. I mean, it's, it's great to say I'm happy that you got a raise. It's also great to say, you know, praise the Lord for that. It, but, but to put it in a context of worship where let's give God the credit for your raise, but to use it as just sort of a code for I'm happy that you're happy is I think that's taking God's name in vain, and we shouldn't be doing that. Well, let's use a hypothetical here. Let's say somebody is a devout Christian, takes their Christianity very seriously, and has innumerable uh, secular-type friends, people who don't really have much of a faith in God. And so that person says, oh, I got a raise this week. It's the one I've been waiting for. And the, the motivation of the Christian is maybe not so much to praise the Lord, although I think, yes, in part to praise the Lord, but to communicate to the secular person, you know, when I hear you say that, my opinion is that we should thank God for that good fortune. And so that person winds up sort of sharing his or her Christian identity in that moment. It's like an opportunity. It's almost like a, an opportunity to, evangel, uh, to do evangelization. Is, is that a wrong motive? No, that's not a wrong motive. That's appropriate. But I, I, again, I think that has to be done in a context of a relationship with that person where they know that praising God is your, is your MO in all circumstances. Else it comes across as trite and preachy. So if I if I have a friend and I, they, they don't know I'm a Christian, I've effectively hidden that from them. And they don't know that I'm interested in God or that I have a personal relationship with Jesus, uh, that I go to church. If, if they don't know that stuff and then all of a sudden they say to me, I got a raise, and I say, well, praise the Lord, they're going to see that as me being sarcastic or funny Instead, what I have to do is I have to live a life with them where when they tell me that they got a raise, they just assume that in my head I'm thanking God for the fact that they got a raise and that it's totally appropriate for me to say, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna thank God. I've been praying that God would, you know, help you financially. I'm going to thank God for that. I mean, the, the other key here is this, is that when, when it comes to this sort of praise, we need to be careful around unbelievers that we are thanking God and praising God for the bad stuff too, for the rough stuff in our lives. Are we violating be careful not to throw your pearls before swine? Uh, so that, that's, that, that's possible to, to you know, to, um, I don't know what to say. 
you know, to, or to think about what, what Jesus means there in Matthew 7, uh, you, you, it's definitely possible to, you know, to, I mean, Jesus warns us against offering the good things of God to people who reject them. You know, that's what he's doing there. Um, but but I, I don't know if that has anything to do with offering God praise when my life is rough, when things go badly in my life, when I don't get a raise, when I get passed over the promotion. And I'm so, so I'll give you an example. I hear unbelievers a lot of times be, be critical of professional athletes and entertainers for thanking God when they win the Super Bowl or when they win the Academy Award. And the reason why is because that comes across as trite. If a professional athlete only gets up and says, Hey, first of all, I just want to thank Jesus, my Lord and Savior, for helping me when he wins the game. That definitely turns Jesus into a you know a totem. It turns Jesus into uh, you know it's he helps me win the game. If I get interviewed after a big loss, if I throw a, an interception at the end of the game and we lose the game, and I get interviewed, and I, as a Christian who have just the, the week before been thanking and praising my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for helping me win, if I don't in that moment say. I want to thank and praise Jesus Christ for what happened here tonight. I know I didn't play as well as I wanted to, but I trust God. He's in charge, and he's going to take care of it, and just thank him for the opportunity to play. And for whatever reason, the interception I threw is he's got a plan to use that in my life. If I don't say that, then I'm definitely coming across as trite. Like, uh, you know, I need God to do good things for me. And when I do good things, when he does good things for me, I pay him back with praise. When he's not doing good things for me, the deal's off, and I don't really need to say anything. And that's the image that unbelievers, a lot of unbelievers, have of Christians. And we can avoid that by being quick to praise God for all everything He does in our life. Let's take a look at the aforementioned Psalm 150. It's short, so I'll read it. It begins verse one: "Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His mighty deeds, praise Him according to His excellent greatness." Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, the editors of my English Standard Bible have put seven exclamation points in those six verses. Did my otherwise normal tone of voice fall short in my reading? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I I don't think that praise is necessarily about tone. Uh, sometimes praise, sometimes praise. Is I certainly gonna, didn't use exclamations. That's fine. I, uh, you don't have to use exclamations. They're I not. Feel so much better. They're not in the original Hebrew, for one thing. Uh, second of all. Uh, Praise is definitely emotional. There's definitely elements of emotion to praise, but but it's not the case that praise is always excitement. That praise is always exclamation. When I praise God for the pick six that I threw, and I trust Him to use that however He wants to use that, I'm probably not going to have exclamation marks. But that will still be praise to say, God, what you do is good, and I thank you for it. And I trust you to always do good. I'm probably going to say that in a more solemn tone, in a little bit different tone than if I threw a touchdown to win the game. And that's totally appropriate. Praise, if praise, so praise is um, 
rightly recognizing the good or the beauty or the excellence in something. You know, praise isn't a religious word. Everybody praises uh, all different kinds of things. Praise is rightly recognizing, you know, the, the, what did I say, the good or the beauty or the excellence or the nobleness or the, the, the praiseworthiness of something. What that means is right, that, that the context is going to demand my emotional response. There are moments when excitement will be appropriate. There are moments, uh, if, I go to, if I go to the art museum and I look at a beautiful painting and I, I lean over and say to my wife, this painting is stunning. I'm probably not going to jump up and down and throw my arms in the air and yell it out loud. It would not be appropriate to the context. There's something about a beautiful painting that demands a certain sort of um, – it's, it's it, there, there's a solemnity to it. There, there's, a, there's a gravitas to it, like a, 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 a deep, quiet thankfulness for whatever it is that I'm looking at. To, 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 be at a, uh, to be at a baseball game and to see your favorite player hit a home run, that demands a different kind of praise. And so uh, uh, these are maybe bad examples. To, to praise my wife is going to be multidimensional. There are things that I'm going to praise her for that I'm going to be real excited about, and there are things I'm going to praise her for that I'm going to be quieter about and more calm. In both cases, it'll be praise. It'll be praise of the same person. But the context will demand, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm someplace and my wife stands up to give a talk and she comes and she sits down next to me and I say, you nailed that. That was great. It's going to be really quiet. If, if you know, if she, if she makes a, a fantastic dinner and it's like really, really delicious, it's going to be a little bit different tone. Um, uh, th- th- that's just the way it works. The context demands. And so I exclamation i i know if i let me talk to the christians right now i know that there's this and again this is almost a caricature because it can be shallow there's this idea of you know church worship as being like uh it, it's you know a lot of christians think it's got to be really really emotional to be good and sometimes christian worship is really really emotional but the really really it's not always really really emotional it just can't be like that because no relationship with anybody is really, really emotional. You know, as as a as a sort of like pendulum swing to that, there are some Christians, and, and my church probably falls in this category here, who say, no, no, we don't do emotions. You know, we're here, we have good doctrine, and we focus on that. And they're missing a life of praise because they've eliminated emotions. So both sides are wrong. One side says only emotions of excitement and happiness are worship and praise. The other side says... You can't have any emotions or, or happiness. That's and, and both both of these are, are very very much caricatures. There's hardly anybody that falls into the you know these very yeah, right. radical categories I've created. But instead, what we should do is we should say meeting with God is going to be a different experience depending upon where I'm at and what's going on and what He's been doing in my life, and it's it's going to be different for all of us, and it's going to be different every week at church and every day in our own private worship of him. So um, that's my short answer to that. I think I'm thinking of a 10-year-old boy. He's got a baseball game to play. His dad takes him to the game. The boy plays. The dad watches. The boy hits a home run. And then in the car on the way home, I'm thinking the boy is looking forward to hearing his dad's praise for that big moment. 
big moment for the 10-year-old. And he's hoping that his dad appreciated it, enjoyed it. So he covets his father's praise. Mm -hmm. We could give a hundred examples like that. Does God covet our praise? Yeah, and that's actually, that, that, that's a great example of, so, so this is a big problem that a lot of unbelievers have with, and I'm glad that you brought this up. In, in my mind, this is the elephant in the room when it comes to praise and God. A lot of unbelievers have a problem with God that he demands praise. It seems, uh, it seems pagan. It seems petty. You know, I want you to sing songs about me and, you know, make a big deal about me, God says to us. It seems self-centered and... It does. It's kind of troubling. Yeah. But, but I like your example because w- would you say, you know, what, what if the father said to the boy, I'm, I'm not going to praise you. I don't want you to grow up being self-centered. You would say that's really, he's not, he's a bad father, you know, because there's something about praise that there's something about praise that completes and fulfills a relationship and so there's this, if I can recommend this to you guys, there's a, a C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Reflection on the Psalms, and, and there's, a, there's a chapter in there. It's real short, easy to read, and it's, the chapter is entitled something along the lines of, I'm going to forget it, um, a, a short chapter about praise or a word about praise or something like that. But you, you'll be able to tell if you look in the, um, in the, book, uh, the, the contents. contents. Yeah, sorry, couldn't think of that. And, and basically what he says is this, is that, he says, you know, a lot of people who don't know God, including himself before he became a believer, Lewis says, were real frustrated and real kind of turned off by this 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 needy, uh, self-important God who dem- would demand his praise, and also turned off by the the you know the the, the his his toadies, his minions who would get together. To, to in a sycophant fashion to offer him this praise every Sunday, and so God's annoying, God's uh, 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 repulsive for for demanding praise, and then all of these lackeys who are willing to offer him this praise also disgusting to Lewis, and then but he said the big turning point for him was was realizing that everybody praises, everybody praises, uh, lovers praise their lovers. People praise the new car they bought. People praise their favorite actors. People praise their kids when they hit a home run in the Little League game. People praise their favorite music. They, they, they praise their favorite restaurant. They praise all the time. Everybody praises. Now, the question is, what are you praising? Is it, is it, is it actually going to – does it live up to it? You know, so should I praise my son when he hits a home run? Absolutely but he's not going to hit a home run every time, and so so what do I do then? Right? Do I praise the? Am I praising the absolutely beautiful? Uh, praise is totally appropriate, but there's only. And, and by the way, so, so this is what Lewis says: praise completes the relationship. At, at one point, he says, "You know, lovers don't always tell each other that I think you're so beautiful, just just to fill space with words, because there's something about praise." that fulfills that experience of being loved. I mean, this is why people show constantly show people pictures of their grandkids. It's because there's something about like, say, uh, or people say, you know, if you go to a good restaurant and you're like, I've never heard of this restaurant before, but a new, new restaurant in town, I'm going to try it out. It's amazing. Do this. Try to not tell anybody about it. 
try to not tell anybody, you should check this restaurant. It's almost impossible because there's something about praising that restaurant that fulfills the actual experience that you had in that restaurant. There's something about telling people about your lover that actually completes being in love with this person. And, and what, what Lewis says in this essay is that what God wants, what, what God knows is that we will be most happy and most fulfilled if we're praising the praiseworthy. If, I, if I'm going to be happy if I tell you about this great new restaurant, if I'm going to be happy because I tell you that my son did some great thing in his extracurricular activity, then if I've really come to know the most beautiful, the most praiseworthy one in the universe, I will actually only be fulfilled in that relationship if I turn to somebody else and say, I've got to tell you about this amazing God that I know. Now, I, I want to, I, or you know, I want to sing praises to this one, or I want to get down on my knees and thank him for being so wonderful. That's just, a, that, that's totally appropriate. It's, it's, it's the way we all work. And this, this will circle us back maybe to your earlier question too about, um, you know, saying praise the Lord. You know, if I say praise the Lord to somebody when they get a raise and I don't really mean it, what I'm saying is, is that this is not really connected to God. It's just words that I use. And part of your question, which I don't think I answered was, how can we avoid that? And the answer is, is the same way you can avoid, you know, the, the, how can I put this? You can avoid having boring food takes by actually starting to eat really good food. You know, if if you if you want to get excited about your kids, then hang out with your kids, go to your kids' games, go to your kids' concerts, have conversations and long walks with your kids. If you want to get, you know, if you want to be able to talk about baseball in a way that's exciting, you're going to need to watch some baseball games, and. Uh, if you want to be excited about your wife, you're going to need to spend time with your wife. That's just that's just ba- basic relationship one-on-one. If we want to praise, let me talk to the Christians, if we want to actually be doing what God tells us to do, which is to praise him, what we need to do is we need to realize that he's only telling us that because he knows we'll only be happy, we'll only be fulfilled if we're actually experiencing the joy of knowing him if we're if we're actually praising him now i know that that's weird because we as especially we as westerners are convinced that we'll only be happy if we're doing what we want to do that's not true we're only happy if we're connecting with the praiseworthy we're only happy if we're enjoying the enjoyable we're only really fulfilled if we're sorrowing at the truly sorrowful and what god knows is that if we can connect with him the the ultimate reality and learn what it means to see absolute beauty, absolute truth, absolute goodness, that we will naturally be like, this is amazing. And to say, this is amazing, whether to God or to somebody else about God, whether to your wife or to somebody else about your wife, whether about your kid's home run or to somebody else about your kid's home run, that is what praise is. Let's go back to the 10-year-old boy who hit the home run, gets in the car, is sort of anticipating, even almost expecting to hear his Mm -hmm. father's words of praise for that moment. And instead, dad wants to talk about the strikeout in the third inning with runners at second and third. It doesn't even mention the home run. Do we do that to God? And if we do, is he hurt by it as much as the 10-year-old boy would be? 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we do we we do that to God. Christians do this to God. Unbelievers do this to God. Sometimes I'll talk to unbelievers, and I probably I, I usually don't make comments about this, but to them, I mean, I don't I don't bring it up in conversation because, but, but mainly they just can't really help it. But I'll have a conversation with a student, and the student will say, "I can't believe in God because my mom and dad broke up, and my mom, you know, is." not a very good person and my dad's an alcoholic and I ended up living with my grandparents and just I've had a miserable adolescence and I just can't believe in a God who would let that happen would let let that happen and mainly I don't bring this up because I I I don't want to be callous to their pain which is real and genuine but a lot of times I'll think you know God help me not to be like that help me not to have all these good gifts from you you know I'm I'm I've got a good job I'm going to a good school. Uh, I, I've got a girlfriend. Um, uh, whatever the good gifts that God has given this guy, and all he can do is focus on this one bad thing and say, "I can't believe in a God who would do this." And what God wants him to say it, to see is like, "Look at all the good. Look at the, you know that video game system that you bought last month that you're so excited about. That's a gift from me." And so, yeah, there's something broken about that about about a father who would only pick on his kids' weaknesses instead of praising him for his strengths or for the good things about him. There's something broken about that. And I think you're right. I think that that you know God wants us to, to, to A, God wants us to recognize that all the good things that he's given anybody in the world come from him and to give him praise for it, but also to say, okay, well, then let me think about the bad things in this life. No, it's, it's, it is not right to say, I'm glad that my, my dad's an alcoholic and my mom's a lousy person and I have to live with my grandparents. But to say, if a good God will do all these good things for me, maybe this bad thing here, maybe he's got some sort of plan and maybe I can learn to praise him for that too, because he's going to be doing good stuff in other people's lives and in my life through this. That's, I, that's, I think that's probably the best tack to take. In your role as a pastor, it's your job, I guess it's your job, to lead the congregation through worship. Maybe it's your delight. I maybe shouldn't call it a job. But as you do lead people through worship, people are moving through the liturgy of the day, it may be, at least to your eye, that they just don't seem all that excited, all that enthusiastic, not so much inclined to praise. They even may be a bit mechanical. If that's the case, are we failing to respond in praise? I mean, if I'm, if I'm doing the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. What yeah, do you, I what see do you think? it. Well, I see it in myself, too. I, um, yeah. So it is a failure. And, and I, I, I have tried a couple of different tacks to take here. One is is that I've actually said, "Hey, we need to be more engaged in worship. We need to sing louder." And th- that there's a certain type of person that that will help. The type of person who I talk to people all the time who say this to me, like, "Oh, you don't want me singing out loud. My voice is horrible." And that, if they really mean that, like that type of person needs to be told, "Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you having a good voice. This, you know, we, we, we our relationship with music." 
in our culture is so screwed up. Nobody makes Why? Me- well, nobody makes music anymore. A hundred years ago, people made music. You, you, you might be talented at music, you might not be talented, but you were going to learn to play an instrument and you were going to learn to sing. Many people, most people, in fact, in in Europe and North America, were going to learn to sing a part. We're going to learn to sing harmony, and, and and it was not top notch, maybe, but everybody did it. Well, then with the advent of recording, especially now with like streaming services. You don't have to make music, you know. Why, why would I? Why would I learn how to play a piano and learn how to sing a part, you know, and sit around in the living room with my friends and family and sing songs when I can just open up my phone and turn on really good music? And so, as a result, people don't know how to sing. They don't know how to sing, and they they don't want to sing because they're like, I'm not very good. Well, of course, yeah, you're not very good compared to you know the p- people on commercial radio, or you're not. But that's not the point. And so, to tell people, nobody cares. Like God just wants you to sing. Telling people to sing in that way actually helps. There's a lot of other people, though, who might be like, oh, geez, I guess I ought to sing and maybe feel a little bit guilty about not singing. And they'll sing out for a little bit, but then they'll go back to their normal way. And because all it is is guilt I've put on them. It's just law. You know, here's a rule. We should sing louder. Actually, the antidote, you know, if we're if we're moving, if we come to, for those of you who are Christians, for those of you who come to church and you're kind of moving through the service mindlessly and maybe a little bit bored and the music's not your favorite and you don't feel like singing. The antidote is not to try harder to like talk louder or whatever. The antidote is to get yourself a good vision of God and who he is and how much he loves you. That, that That's the antidote. You know, the, the, the antidote, you know, if you're like, uh, you know, if you meet somebody who's like, I don't really care for art. The antidote is not to say, oh, you just need to get excited about art. The antidote is to take them to the art museum and show them some really terrific art. If if you meet somebody who's like, "Uh, I don't know if I like Korean food. I don't know. You you don't say like, well, you should. (laughs) Start liking it. The antidote is to take them to the local Korean restaurant and get them some bulgogi and and then just let them taste it. And, And that's why the Bible frequently talks about this, is that true worship flows out of an experience of God and who he is, not out of an effort to do good worship or not out of trying to build up some sort of emotional response or not even out of trying to think right thoughts, but it's to have an experience of God, taste and see that the Lord is good. The psalmist says in Psalm 34, um, to, to, to know and meet with God, to, 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 to think about this, that I would be completely lost and hopeless unless the God of the universe decided to rescue me because he loves me, decided to give up his own life to rescue me because he loves me. If that's the case, I can't help but be emotionally, intellectually engaged with that. I can't help but praise. And so if you struggle with worship, meet with God, be in the scriptures, be focused on God. Don't focus on yourself and on your responses. Don't be like, okay, how do I worship better? Focus on God and who he is and what he's done for you. That will kick your brain. That will kick your emotions into gear. Should we be actively thinking about praise when we're singing in church? We should be actively thinking about God, and that will lead to praise. The goal isn't praise. So sometimes – so. Uh, 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 go back to my two very, very extreme categories here. People whose goal, the Christian goal is worship. People on the other side who the Christian goal is good theology. Uh, Ixne, the Christian goal is God, relationship with God. Worship flows out of that. Good theology leads to it. 
They're both nece- they're both necessary. One is a necessary cause, and one is a necessary result. Good theology is a necessary cause. Worship and praise is a necessary result. But by focusing on either one of those, you'll miss out on the main thing. Paul says in Romans eleven, "I testify about the the, the Judaizers that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It's possible to have good theology, but 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 to not actually know God." And, and like Lewis says, everybody pr- it's possible to praise and not know God. Everybody praises. They praise all different kinds of things. The key, though, is a relationship with God, to meet with God, to know for certain that God gives himself to us in his word and in his sacraments, that the God who died for us on the cross and rose from the dead is a God who is wants relationship with us, is in relationship with us. That will lead to praise and worship. So my last question, what if I were to say... This discussion causes me to admit that in my own personal life, I don't praise God much at all. And I'm ashamed to admit that praise is pretty much missing. Maybe a reaction for somebody who's listening to this discussion right now. What would you advise me to do? Uh, well, so go be with God. I was, oh, so practical steps would be, I, I would say, you grab the Psalms and start praying through the Psalms. Read Psalm 1 and pray it back to God and say— How do you do that? Well, you could read Psalm 1 uh, and be thankful for the— uh, uh, you know, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. God, thank you so much for your word, for your law. God, you know I don't delight in it like I should, but, but will you give me deep pleasure in knowing you? Because, I mean, your word says right here— that you bless the man who delights in your word. And so I want to be blessed. I want to delight in your word. Give me a real pleasure in this time that we're going to spend together over the next 15 minutes. So you're listening to God talk in the word, and then you're going back to him with like, for whatever reason, God wants you to know what Psalm 1 says. He's talking to you, and he's saying, if you delight in me, I'll bless you. And to say, okay, God. And then he goes on to talk about the the, the man who uh, delights in the Lord is like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also doesn't wither, and whatever it does, prosper. The ungodly aren't that way, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. So what you're doing now is you're like saying, God, I want to be close to you. I believe that you can make me like a tree planted by water. I want to have pleasure and delight in you. I I realize that in your word, you're reaching out to me. You're convicting me of sin. You're telling me that you love me. You're giving me your word. God, like, just thank you so much for being the kind of God who would communicate with me and bless me like that. Help me not to be like the ungodly. I don't want to be blown blown around like chaff in the wind, but I want to be firm and solid. And before you know it, what you're doing is you're having a conversation with God. He's talking to you in his word. You're talking back to him. You're being thankful for who he is. And uh, then you're, uh, you, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself praising Well, thank you, Aaron. No surprise today that we find out that the path to praise is through the Lord. Yeah. Not to the Lord. Well, I guess to the Lord also. but Through the Lord and to the Lord. We say thank you for spending some time with us here on Craving Answers, Craving God. We'd love to hear your reaction to this episode, or perhaps you have a question we can tackle in a future show. If you put stjamesglencarbon.org into your search engine, you'll find a Contact Us option at the top of the homepage. For Pastor Aaron Miller and our production manager, Larry O'Leary, I'm Chuck Rathert for Craving Answers, Craving God.